message. She's filled with the, the goodness of God. Thank you, beloved. Wow. Well, welcome to all of you as we continue our exploration of the treasures uh, that are ours in Christ Jesus in this incredible revealed book that we're looking into, the book of Ephesians. Uh, let me ask, those of you who were here last week, uh, what did you think of uh, Pastor Dale, my best friend from Rockford, and the message that he shared? Yeah, me too. You know, as he was sharing, and I was sitting back there recording, and by the way, all his message is on the website. And all of our messages are on the website, hbcwaco.org, hbcwaco.org. Let's all say that, hbcwaco.org. Say it again, hbcwaco.org. And when you go, there's um, uh, several different lines, uh, small little lines. You click on that, and you'll see all the different ministries that are available um, uh, youth ministry, all everything, and then just click on Senior Adult, go to the media page. It says Recorded Media, and <clears throat> you only see about four or five that are on the first page of the webpage, but there's a little gray little square box uh, that's right under, I think it says Recorded Media, but right under that, if you click on that, all the messages over the last two years will come up. So yeah, we're real thankful that... Uh, Highland is a tech-savvy because I'm not. Uh, but I'm thankful that what we share here at the Highland family is available for as a resource for another time. Uh, <clears throat> as I said, when Dale was sharing, it was a kind of amazing to me that this man, who's six years younger than I, had discipled me 40 years ago. Now, I don't look like I'm 53, but uh, it's because I'm not 53. But he did such an absolutely wonderful job. And uh, I'm thrilled to have my best friend here for uh, the four or five days that we had him. It was really great. Well, Janet shared with us two weeks ago the treasures in the second half of chapter one in the book of Ephesians. So I want you to all turn with me to chapter two. And Bill, thanks for choosing those songs. Those songs are perfect. Uh, for looking at these first verses in Ephesians 2. All right, I just want to read uh, verse 1, uh, and then I want to pray again. Ephesians 2, verse 1, And he made you alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Lord, even as I sounded the shofar in our gathering this morning, uh, Lord, we're in Rosh Hashanah. We're in a new year. We're in a new season. And Lord, it's been a pretty rough ride in 2020 thus far. But Lord, the, with the new developments of a member of our Supreme Court passing away and a massive amount of people that are going to want a new Supreme Court justice before the election and a massive amount of people that aren't going to want that, uh, Lord, intensity is only going to increase and we want to be so rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, Lord, make us more alive today. Refresh us with your spirit. 
It is written, you made us alive. And we were all dead in trespasses. So Lord, come and breathe upon us. We welcome and receive your Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth that we might be made more free. Amen. Amen. Immediately after Paul's prayer in chapter 1, Paul reminds us in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 about the reality of our personal sin. And it's good to think. In fact, every time we have communion, every time we have the Lord's Supper, we are encouraged to let each one examine themselves, have a heart search, do a reevaluation, and deal with any sin that is besetting us. We need to judge ourselves rightly so that we won't be judged with the rest of the world. So this is good that in this deep, rich letter, the second chapter, after his prayer in chapter 1, he's making us aware of personal sin. And, and like them, we must never forget the condition from which Jesus saved us. The Ephesians needed to be reminded of it, and so do the Wacoans. We were lost, and not just partially lost. We were totally lost. Uh, one person said, yes, Lord. We were totally lost, totally, completely self-loving, self-serving, self-willed. But we don't like to think like that because, well, we like to think in a renewed mind, but this is reality. We were saved from all that. We are all dead, absolutely dead in regards to our relationship with God because of sin, disobedience, and willful rebellion. And we all had it. No exceptions. But thank God Almighty for the role of the Holy Spirit to deeply and intimately convict human hearts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And that's found in John 6, verse 8. Now back to Ephesians, verses 2 and 3. In which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others." So Paul's making it clear again, before we were born again, we were all spiritually dead, dead. And we needed God to forgive us and to transform us from the inside out. But before he could ever save us, we needed to have a personal revelation of our sinful hearts and how far sin had separated us from a holy God. Because only then could we see our desperate need of a Savior. Because we were all sons and daughters of disobedience. And there are no exceptions in the human race. Now, does this mean that only Christians do good? No, of course not. Many people do good to others. And there's a good within most all of us. 
And most people do good to others at times. But I want you to hear this this morning. Going to heaven is not based on good doing. It is only based on being forgiven. Going to heaven is not based on our good doing. It's only based on our being forgiven. And on God's absolute scale, no one, no one is good enough to earn salvation because we are all dead. Because of our disobedience and our many sins. That's the first verse in chapter 2. And only through being united with Christ's perfect life can we become good in God's sight. Now verses 4 through 6. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen, praise the Lord. So what is Paul's writing here? He's saying, we were dead in our sins, but God. We were rebels against him, but God. We were enslaved by the devil and our sinful nature, but God. These may be among the most, among the two most precious words in all the scriptures, but God. And God could have left us spiritually dead. He could have left us in rebellion against him and in bondage to our sins, but he didn't. He didn't. And he didn't save us because of, but in spite of what he saw in us. What a God. And in addition to thanking him for what he has done for us, we should show humble patience and tolerance for others that seem unworthy or undeserving of our love and our compassion. Now, if this doesn't challenge you, you're still partly dead. This challenges me greatly to show love and compassion and understanding for people that seemingly are far from knowing God. You know where God touches my nerve? When I see rioters. When I see people going up to the police and swearing at them, spitting on their face shields. I'll tell you, something less than compassion stirs in my heart. I mean, I, I need help, folks. I need help. When I see that, compassion is a long way from me. Mercy is a long way from my heart. Nonetheless, the Lord is challenging. There's a greater one in you than you. It's Christ who loves all. Who loved those who put him on the cross. Who loved those who whipped every piece of flesh that came out of him. God have mercy. God help us. You know, they may be spiritually dull or rebellious or even antagonistic toward God. And you know what? The Lord showed me again this week. So were we. But God. 
but God loved us anyway. That's moving into a whole new dimension of the love of God made flesh in you and me. And because he's inside of us who believe, he really is, he lives inside of us. He wants us to love others the same way that he does in spite of themselves. Because that's how he loved us. Look at verses 5 and 6. The word together is mentioned three times concerning us and Messiah Jesus. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. Look at this. First, God made us alive together in Christ, with Christ. Secondly, he raised us up together, referring to his ascension into heaven. And look at third, he made us to sit in authority together with Christ at God Almighty's right hand. And look at this, from this place of partnership, God grants that we share in the present works of his kingdom power, right here, right now, and what we are positionally in Christ now is what we will someday be in actuality forever in eternity. What a day we have to look forward to. We live today as we are raised with him and ascended with him and seated with him in victory. I think we should all say, thank you, Jesus. I think we should all say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'll tell you, friends, these are spiritual realities that enable you and me to defeat sin and evil and be victorious in spiritual warfare in the unseen realm. And I'm asking God for the grace of what do I do when I see those types of things of the rioters, the the rebellious ones? What do I do? How do I respond in a Christ-like manner? God, give me the mind of Christ. I'll tell you what, you need the mind of Christ too. When we see evil, something clicks in us to want to react or reject, but not respond. That's what Jesus did. He responded in a godly way, in a kingdom way, to evil when he saw it. Jesus, help us. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This goes right in sync with Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Titus 3, 4 and 5 says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now let's go to the next two verses, 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, 
lest anyone should boast. And this truth is also stated. It's such a powerful truth. Paul wanted to make sure it was stated again a little bit differently in 2 Timothy 1.9. Paul writes this in 2 Timothy 1.9, right in sync with Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, and not according to our works. Hear the similarity? but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time even began. Also in Romans 4, verse 16, listen, Paul just had to keep on in that flow of getting the reality to us. Therefore, it is a gift of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. What a gift from God. What a gift. Now, when someone gives you a gift, do you say, oh, that's very nice. How much do I owe you? Has anyone ever had that happen? Uh, I'm looking for the first. Uh, hey, Bill, <laughs> thank you very much. How much do I owe you? No, no, we don't do that. We don't do that. When someone gives us a gift, the appropriate response is to say, thank you. Thank you. Oh, you shouldn't have, but I'm glad you did. No, thank you. And yet how often... Do Christians, even after having been given the gift of salvation, feel obligated to work their way to earn God's favor? Friends, our salvation and even our faith are gifts. So we should respond with gratitude, praise, thanksgiving, and joy. We become sons and daughters of God through his, his, unmerited favor, not as a result of any effort or ability or active service that we can give. And out of gratitude for this free gift, we should be helping and serving others with kindness and love and gentleness and not to please ourselves. No action or work that we do will ever buy or earn salvation or good merits with God. But our salvation should result in acts of service out of gratitude, out of joy, out of thanksgiving. And we're not saved merely for our own benefit, but to serve Christ and to build up the church. That's in Ephesians 4, verse 12. Now to the next verse. I love this next verse. I camped out in this verse a good amount of time this week. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, you can live trying to make your own life work, or you can let your life become God's work of art or as it says here, his workmanship. 
Now, the Greek word here for workmanship is poema, and it has two meanings. First meaning, a product produced by a manufacturer, like a fabric made into a garment. And then the second meaning says something that is made from scratch and created to a place of beauty. And this is what I think Paul had in mind when he chose this word. Poema is where we get the word poem. And no poem can be written by itself. It needs an author, always. And poems, they come from the heart of the author. So to become the poem of God, we surrender our life to the author of life so that he can create it from scratch and make it altogether beautiful. The heart of the author wants full access to our hearts so that his will can be done in our lives as he writes his poetic masterpiece. That's how we become his workmanship. We become the trophies of his grace and goodness by choosing his will and his plan over our own. And to help us choose rightly, oh, God is so great. To help us, he knows we're not going to choose rightly. He knows that. So to help us choose rightly, he gives us the Holy Spirit. Amen. The God helper. And he's within us that teaching us the way in which we should choose and the way in which we should go. Because God knows left to our own, we're dead, off the cliff. We humans are so frail and earthly that we easily find ourselves empty, depleted, and drained. And Paul realized this. That's why he wrote later in this letter to the Ephesians in chapter 5, verse 18. He says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled. That verb means be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is our filling station. And he's available to us every moment of every day. Unhindered access. What a God we have. Amen. You don't just have to go to a gas station to get a fill up. You can get it right where you are. Right now, Lord, I'm empty. Would you fill me up? Lord, I've given out. Lord, I need help. I just saw those riders. I need help. We need help all throughout the day. The problem is, is because we're not asking for help, we don't get it. You have not because you... Yeah, a child asks. Part of our problem is we've gotten too grown up. And the Lord's saying, I want to restore a childlike relationship. Not childish, a childlike relationship where asking becomes a way of life.
God wants to write his poem in our hearts so that we can become his beautiful work of art made from scratch. And finally, Paul confirms this beautifully in 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3, two verses, 3 and 4. He wrote, clearly you are an epistle of Christ. And you're written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Let's pray. Lord, we want to ask you to just keep on writing. Keep writing your poem, Lord. It's not over because we've turned 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or 90. Lord, it's only over when we take our last breath. And then it's just beginning. <laughs> what becomes over just starts. And Lord, we just want to say that this is another day of resurrender. God, we've done this times without number. We choose to surrender to your will. We choose to surrender to your timing. We choose to surrender to your way. We pray that the mind of Christ would be in us. That we'd have the thoughts of Jesus. And Lord, I'm often void of the thoughts of Jesus when I see those that are so desperately needing in rebellion, willful, stubborn rebellion, hating others. And Lord, I pray that you would protect all of us from that terrible sin of hatred. It is contagious. When we see hate, we can do the same. I pray you would protect us. Holy Spirit, you live within us. Holy Spirit, have your unhindered way. Would you put a check in our hearts? The moment we start getting off track and out of the will of God, thinking our own thoughts and our own desire to want to give evil back when we see evil, at least in our hearts or in our thoughts, let us extend mercy and grace where we see none. And Lord, it is possible, it is possible to live like that because you've given to us your Holy Spirit. So Lord, look upon us today as a needy people. We've begun the days of awe, these 10 days of deep heart searching. So Lord, we want to open our hearts today and say, come, shine. Search us as with a lamp. Even as David says, search me and know me. See if there be any hurtful way in me. And Lord, that's how we want to be, not closed, 
not restrictive. We want to say unhindered reservation, unhindered, unhindered surrender. That's how we want our lives to be before you. And Lord, in these upcoming days, I pray that you'd even tug on our hearts to maybe offer up a meal or two. We live in such luxury in America, three meals a day, and often they're big meals. Lord, would you just prompt us, no, how about offering that to me? Maybe even offering two meals to me. Lord, I know we have medication and all that kind of things, but you have a way that is right and righteous. And it's custom designed for each of us who are called by your name. Would you customize your desire for the way that you would have each of us to walk all throughout this week? Guide us, Lord. Direct us by your spirit. We yield to your prompting. And we say that may God be glorified. May Jesus be exalted. And may the will and plan of God be done this week. Lord, we want to take one day at a time. Each day this week, be honored, be glorified, be magnified, be Lord of all that we do and say. For we ask this that Jesus' name would be high and lifted up in us and through us. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, even as I was saying how it's possible, I can remember uh, living in Israel for all those years. This was before the uh, walls of communism came down in the former Soviet Union. That's how it was called then. It wasn't just called Russia. And we had some Jewish people that had escaped out of the former Soviet Union and had come to Israel. I can remember hearing some of their stories about uh, I think it was called the Eurodivis. Uh, they were the uh, religious, uh, they were called religious, but they were Christian leaders that were put in prison camps, and they had 19,000 prison camps throughout the so former Soviet Union. 19,000! And Christian leaders would be in there, and they would put them through severe torture. And whenever a new prisoner, th this is what really stuck in my mind, whenever a new prisoner was brought to the prison, just to teach them a lesson, they put them in a box day and night for a couple of days. And I remember hearing this man say that all of us used to look to volunteer to take that new prisoner's punishment. I mean, we all would feel sorry for someone being in that situation. But they volunteer, they beg them to be put in that place instead of the new prisoner. Now imagine the surprise of the new prisoner. You're going to, you don't even know me. And they're called Eurodivi, which means born fool. Because the Russian prisoner guards thought, these are absolutely crazy people that would do things like that. But do you know that most of the new prisoners ended up coming to Jesus more easily than the hardened criminals? Because someone 
had taken punishment that they knew they rightfully deserved and took it with joy. It was a redeeming act to trigger people's salvation by seeing the life of Christ alive in his people. May the Lord help us. We live so good here in America. We have it so easy. But may we be people of prayer. May we be people of the word. May we be people of godly character and righteousness. And may the Lord look from heaven and look upon all of us and see sons and daughters in whom he is well pleased. Have a great rest of the day. You're dismissed. Amen.